Storehouse Dallas. We love talking about the kingdom here because Jesus loves talking about the kingdom. He said, that's actually why I was sent, was to preach about the kingdom of God. And so when we hear a message about the kingdom of God, we want to do what Jesus says, which is, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. So how many in here have ears? Put your fingers on your ears if you have ears and say, Lord, I hear you. Amen. So how many of us believe, as we were singing, that all the promises of God are yes and amen? Yes. Okay. So in Jesus Christ, the promises are yes. And then we say, so in Jesus Christ, the promises are and we say, amen. amen. Very good. So when we say that, when I say that to you, we believe in the promises of God where it needs to hit our hearts today. And my prayer is where it hits our hearts is that the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ. And I say, amen for me and my family. The promises of God are not just true. They're true for Matthew Esquivel. The promises of God are not just true. They're true for John and Tracy Eckert. The promises of God are not just true. They're true for Stephen and Mitch. The promises of God, insert your name, are true for me right now. So I just love this. I was, you know, sometimes preachers do this and, and we give them a little flack, but I, I grew up with this uh, in college and where we took our Bibles and I don't even remember what we said, so I'm just going to paraphrase. But I just remembered. I just saw a picture of doing this. This is my Bible. <laughs> the words in this Bible are true. These words are true for me. These words are true for my family. Amen. Okay. So, today I want to emphasize some basic concepts of the kingdom of God. And then... Give an example of what Jesus, how he's telling us how we're going to tap into that kingdom. Because it's not enough to just hear the kingdom of God and say, oh, that sounds really good. And, oh, God's just going to do everything, which, which he is in a sense. But there really is a part that you and I have to play. And that's really what I want to outline today. And, I'm, and we're going to share some uh, recent testimonies um, because God isn't just doing things in this word. He's doing things today. Amen. So, um, and the nature of the teaching today and the nature of the testimonies are specifically related to finances. Um, now, we did a teaching a few months ago on kingdom wealth. Tracy and I were teaching that. Sharon Porter helped teach in that as well. And so I would encourage you to listen to that where we go more systematically on, on how to tap into the wealth dimension of the kingdom of God. Um, but, but, and so I'm going to hit a few, of that, a, a few things from that today um, in review, but um, it won't be a, a, a real long systematic teaching. We're just going to show you, hey, Jesus, this is how Jesus said it works, and this is how it's been working for Matthew, and this is how it's worked for some others in our lives. Amen? So um, Colossians chapter 1. Verse 12 through 14, and we should have some slides on this. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul writes this, Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Colossians chapter 1, right before Paul says this, he's been praying for the church. He's saying, I pray that you guys would 
be filled with the knowledge of God's will. How many want to know God's will? Okay, put your hand on your head. Say, God, fill me with the knowledge of your will. Amen. He was praying that they would be filled with the will of the Father and that they would have wisdom and spiritual understanding, that they would be um, fruitful in every good work. How many want to stand before the throne of Jesus on the judgment day and he says your life was fruitful? Amen. So we want to get the knowledge of his will with spiritual wisdom and understanding so that when we stand, he can say, look, Matthew, your life has fruit. Not only fruitful, but increasing in the knowledge of God. So when we know the will of God, we bear fruit in our life and we grow in intimacy with God. The relationship dimension grows with God as we get knowledge of his will, his will, his plans, his purposes, his desires, his commandments. So what Paul highlights in here is a couple of things. God, in Jesus Christ, has qualified us to share in an inheritance. God has qualified you. God has qualified me. God has qualified the person next to you, in Jesus Christ, to receive an inheritance with all the saints. Okay, so when we hear this, when we hear the promises of God, when we learn about the inheritance of God, we say, that's for me too. Amen? So, so say that with me right now. The promises of God are for me too. Okay, so he's rescued us, verse 13, from the domain of darkness. Domain of darkness. For illustrative purposes, this side is going to represent the kingdom of darkness. This is where we were before knowing Jesus. We were in bondage to the evil one. Sin had dominion over our lives. Sickness, poverty, addiction had dominion over our lives. But in Jesus Christ, he comes in, he grabs us, and he transfers us from one side to another. It's called the kingdom of God's beloved son, Jesus Christ. So each one of us who are in Jesus Christ are now standing on this side. This is where we are. We're in the kingdom of God's beloved son. So as saints, we want to make sure that we're not still living as if we're over here. You know, and there's a maturity process. And as we first come into the kingdom of God, you know, sometimes there's just a few things that, you know, we don't really mean to bring over with us, but they kind of come along with us sometimes. But we're still here. But some of our thinking still over here. So we want to get our thinking Back over here where our feet are. Feet are here, head does not need to be over here, or else you walk around like this for the rest of your life. And that causes all kinds of back problems. Um, and people laugh at you. <laughs> so, through Jesus Christ, we've been transferred from one kingdom into another. And he went around teaching and preaching on the kingdom of God. He was telling his disciples, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you see those two phrases in the gospels, that means pay attention. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says, pay attention. I was sent to do this. Um, so we want to pay attention to what he says. But just a couple of more scripture verses here. Ephesians 2, chapter 19, to just remind us of our position over here. Ephesians 2, chapter 19 says, Consequently, 
You are no longer foreigners and strangers, so you're no longer over here, kingdom of darkness, separated from the kingdom of light. You're no longer over here. You're over here. I know I'm dancing around. But you guys, we're not over here. We're over here. We're fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. So when we got transferred on this side, you became two things. You became a member of God's family, and you became a citizen in his kingdom. So we have the relational dimension. Ah, Abba, Father, the spirit of, of adoption has been sent into our hearts by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Galatians chapter 4. So there's uh, Abba, Papa, Daddy. I mean, even during the offering song, what were the words? I just I took a moment to listen to it. It was like, I've got the best daddy. I've got the best dad, whatever it was. It, was, uh, it probably wasn't the tune at all. But anyway, it just that was the song that was playing. I was like, this is awesome because it's true that we really do have the best dad. But we also have the best king. God's a king. He's our father, but he's in heaven as a king. And we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as, as, as citizens of a kingdom, as sons in a house, we actually have legal rights and positions. You see, because a kingdom is not just some mystical, ethereal reality. A kingdom, in the natural sense, is a system of government that is based on laws. The kingdom of God is the domain of the king. King Dom, domain of the king. And in a domain of a king, the king, he sets decrees in place, and he sets rights and commandments in place that is for all of the community to participate in, to obey, and, 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 and to take advantage of. So as an American citizen, I enjoy special rights as an American. When foreigners and strangers come into America, we have laws in America set in place that give them a certain measure of rights and privileges, but I as a citizen, I have rights and privileges that the foreigner and the stranger does not. And so, as a son of the kingdom of God, I have rights, I have legal position as a son, as a citizen in the kingdom of God. Ephesians 2, chapter 6. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We don't have a slide on this. I apologize. This is the one scripture I forgot to send to our team. So, team, it's not your fault. Um, God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. So we've been raised up, we've been seated in heaven, in Christ. I am in heaven, in Christ. Will you say that with me? I am in heaven, in Christ. Amen. So that's our position. And I love the New Living Translation. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. When we say yes to Jesus, when we are baptized and we're transferred from one kingdom to another, we belong to Jesus. We're his and we're in him. We're united with him. 
Okay, so that's our position in the kingdom. Now I'm going to take us through um, a story in the gospel that many of us are probably familiar with, but I want us to really look at it closely here. Because these gospel stories are not just stories. They are Jesus saying, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And I want you to pay attention. So turn with me to Luke chapter 5. It will be on the screen. But I would like you to turn to your Bibles if you have them today. I think it's important to bring your Bible to church, to look at it with your own eyes. Luke chapter 5, I'm going to go verse 1 through 11, so, and I'm going to kind of navigate you through the text a little bit. So bear with me. There will be times where I pause and have you look up and I say something and then I'll take you back down. So it's, it's going to be fun. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, With the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. How many want to listen to the word of God today? Listen to the word of God. They were listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. That's important to know. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little from the shore. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So Jesus, all these people are trying to listen to him. They're listening to the word of God. They're hungry for the word of God. They're like, ah, new preacher's in town. He's cast out a few demons. He's done some cool stuff. I want to listen to what this guy has to say. Um, My prayer is that a preacher of God, that that people would be drawn to hear the word of God because they see a demonstration of the word and of power in my life. Amen. Let us pray all that for ourselves. But Jesus is preaching. He gets Peter's boat. He's saying, hey, Peter, you're the fisherman. I know this is your business, but I need to use your resources right now so the word of God can advance. So he teaches the people from the boat, verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Verse 6, when, he had, when they had done so, they, I'm sorry, verse 5. This is a very important verse that I almost skipped. <laughs> it's like the core of my sermon here. <laughs> Luke 5, chapter 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. We've worked, we've toiled, we've labored. Jesus, you told me to do this thing, or, or I'm, I'm working hard to make ends meet. You're telling me to bring in a harvest. You're telling me to produce wealth. You're telling me to advance. You're telling me this, but I've done this all night. This is what I've been doing over and over and over, and just nothing has come through. But, continuing in verse 5, because you say so, I will let down the nets. So Simon, a trained fisherman, welcomes a carpenter rabbi into his boat and says, Simon, let me tell you how to do your job properly. And Simon, his response, Jesus, like, you know, I'm a fisherman. I've been doing this my whole life. And I've been doing the same thing that you just told me to do all night, and I'm tired, all night, and then you just preach this really long sermon. (laughs) 
and I'm in a boat, and I'm trapped because all these people are surrounding me, and I have to fish, and what, and what I pull up, everybody gets to, has to see. And so this is, just, this is just an interesting situation for Simon. It's an interesting situation for us when Jesus comes and tells us to do something, and we're saying, Jesus, I've been doing that and doing that and doing that, but I've seen no fruit from it. I've seen no catch from this, Jesus. Where have you been, Jesus? But because you said so, I will let down those nets. We're going to come back to that. Verse 6, when they had done so, so when they did what Jesus says, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came, they filled their boat so full that they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And he is all, all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish. They, are, they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And so, and we know it goes on. Jesus says, look, I'm going to, not only am I bringing breakthrough here, but I'm going to bring you into a new life of becoming fishers of men. Um, we'll, uh, but, but, to, but to emphasize what's happening here, I just want to highlight that Jesus came and gave them a command. They were doing something natural by themselves. They were tending their nets. They were using the resources that they knew, and Jesus says, hey, come in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, let this down again, and believe me for a miracle to happen. And he didn't even really say that last part, but Peter, something in Peter, even though I've worked hard, I've toiled, I've toiled, I've toiled, no fruit, no fruit. There was just enough faith in his heart to say, okay, Jesus, because you said so. I will let down these nets again. As citizens of the kingdom of God, as members of his household, we're, we've grown up learning to hear his voice. We've sat under the teaching of the word of God. And some of us, we've been, we've been looking for breakthrough in the realm of finances or in the realm of any other area. And then we, we start to pray. We start to hear teaching on the kingdom of God, we start to apply some of those principles, and we're just like, God, I'm not quite seeing the fruit, but then the Lord speaks to us and says, do it again. And my plea with you today is that, like Peter, we're in that place where we're just like, we may be worn out, we may be a little bit wondering, God, why hasn't breakthrough come? But you've said, Jesus, because you said so, I will do it. See, because faith... In Romans chapter 4, when Abraham was promised a son through Sarah, it says in Romans chapter 4, he considered his body as dead. So he was looking at himself. He was looking in the mirror and like, God, you've said I'm going to have a son. I've tried it with Ishmael. You're saying it's not going to work out that way, that it's coming through Sarah. But, I mean, we have been, you know, Lord, She's my wife. I mean, we've been trying again and again, and it just hasn't happened. And the Lord's like, it's going to happen. And he does it. He does not waver in unbelief, but being fully persuaded that God is able to do what he had promised. And so when we're in that place of agreement where we're persuaded that God's able to do what he promised, that gives us access. That is the access point to all those legal rights. That's called faith. 
okay? And some of us are in this place where we're like, God, I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to believe. Now, we got to keep getting the Word of God in our hearts, but there's an engagement process. There's something, not only believing God's Word and what He says, but like Abraham, he believed the Word of God, and then he, as he, when he was told to pick everything up and go into a new land of Canaan, he believed God, and it was credited as righteousness, but then he took his family and he moved. Faith often requires some movement. The movement has to be partnered with faith. Okay? Because when we get moving and we're forgetting faith, oh, God is not, God's able to do his promise. God's able, I'm moving, I'm moving, but he's not really able to do his promise. Is God able to do his promise? Is God's word true? We start getting in that, we're, we're, what we're really doing is we're getting back over here. Our feet are over here positionally, but our head is over in the kingdom of darkness, just like this. And this is how you're, this is what your spirit man looks like when you're doing that. <laughs> and your angels are like over here, you know, trying to like push him back. Like he is able to do what he's promised. All his promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. You're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and you're back in and you're like, oh, okay. I am in the kingdom. God is able to do what he's promised. But it takes movement. It takes some movement sometimes, and we want to hear the word of the Lord. And sometimes we get these ideas that God is just like, Lord, what does that have to do with anything? I've just been, over this past month, just, just like, God, I'm going to be listening to testimonies every day. Like real-life, present-day testimonies of the kingdom of God breaking through in people's lives. Because it, it just, I've got to know that it doesn't work just for Simon. I've got to know that it works for the guy down the street that's not in full-time ministry. So one of the testimonies I was listening to about a family that are in this place of, of, of they've got their dream home um, and he's, he's working, but they're just barely making ends meet. They're um, 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 sometimes having to use the credit card to get groceries and to pay for their electric bill. And it's like, we're, we, if, if we're going to keep this house, like something's got to change. And just that trying to stay above the water. And as they, they prayed in the spirit over time, um, um, they, were, um, they were seeking the Lord's counsel. They were getting um, um, wisdom on the kingdom of God and starting to learn how it operates. And then in prayer, the Lord spoke to the wife one day. And I mean, this just caused my, draw, my jaw to drop. And, and she said, when, the, when I was asking the Lord, how are you going to bring this breakthrough? The Lord said, puppies. And, and it happened when I was listening to this testimony um, a couple of weeks ago. I heard it and I was just like, I had to rewind it like three times because I was like, surely they did not say puppies. Um, but later in the video, they showed like a picture of like the two puppies. And so they started breeding these puppies. Um, and I don't remember the name of it, but um, the, the lady's mom was also a breeder. And so they talked to her and mom's like, yeah, go for it. And so they start, um, they just start this thing. Um, I'm breeding puppies, and it takes about a year or so to really get it off the ground. But through these puppies, they start, they get completely out of debt. And they, and her husband gets promoted to high school superintendent, and they start making from in, in the high six figures. I mean, within like a three-year period. And it was just like, you know, you're sitting there, she's drinking her cup of coffee on a cold winter day, and the Lord says, puppies. 
So she had to believe the word, and she had to be in this place that says, God, because you said so. We've got to engage. We've got to believe, and we've got to move. Here was the result when Peter moved. When they had done so, when they had followed through with that, okay, Jesus, because you said so, I'll do it. When they did it, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So there was, there was I mean, they were, Jesus found them mending the nets. He found them um, 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 working with those resources that they had and the container that they had. And Jesus, when he gave the command and they did it, there was more than enough, not only for Peter's boat, but his partners came in and just there was overflow. And so when we start getting this, okay, God, here's what you said. I'm going to do it because you said so. I'm tired. I don't think that's going to work. You, I'm just, I'm starting to, you know, get back my head back over here. But because you said so, I'm going to do it. And we do it and we follow through. And through faith and perseverance, through faith and perseverance, we inherit the promises of God. Okay? So I'm going to share a testimony for Matthew Esquivel's life. And I'm going to call Rob Hatch up here afterwards, and he's going to share a testimony. Because when we start tapping into the kingdom, we start seeing cool stuff, and it gets us really excited. So I shared a bit about this um, in, uh, in more detail in the, in the series from a few, um, few months ago, um, but then I've got some new stuff to share, so I'm going to uh, really abbreviate the first part. Um, but... Um, um, to not go back, to, uh, um, to not to get into too much detail, in 2008, God really challenged me to start being an extravagant giver, to really stretch my giving above the tithe. Um, and I believed, and I believed at that time, I believe it to this day, that your tithe goes to your home church, your local church, where God has planted you, where you're being fed, and and and, and it is a it is a um, that. Uh, in the temple that food would be on the table for the priesthood. And I did this before I was in, long before I was in full-time ministry. Um, and um, so I believe that. But then in 2008, as I'm going into ministry, I'm starting to raise full-time support. So all of my income at that time is coming from monthly donors. Um, and so, um, but God starts challenging me in my giving. And I'm just like, Lord, you know, I'm like, I'm making some cold calls here. <laughs> Asking people if they want to invest in this guy they've never met before doing campus ministry. Um, and so it really challenged me. But, but what, what really began to grip my heart was this vision for the 2 Corinthians 9 being generous on every occasion. This Philippians chapter 4, storing up an account beyond this age. That when I stand before Jesus, he can say, Matthew, here is where your heart was because here's where your treasure was. So I started getting a vision for giving large amounts of money into the kingdom of God someday. Um, and I said, it's not just going to come someday. It's going to start right now. It's going to start with my little $10 here, my little $50 here, my little this, my little that. Um, um, but I was, I was probably 
I was getting towards making minimum wage at that point, just to give you a little vision for that. And you know, when you're like 21, you know, you don't really have much expenses except your student loans. Um, but, um, oh Lord, um, that's where some good testimony is about to come in. But fast forward 2015, God started, I'm in ministry on campus at SMU. I come on staff to Storehouse a few years later, still doing stuff on the campus. Um, but in 2015, the Lord started talking to me about going back to school. I had over, I'd had about 25 dreams about being back in school. Now, I graduated with a music degree, and I am not in music, as you can see. Um, Richard was up here, and Krista, not Matthew, um, <laughs> for a very good reason. Um, but, um, but I was like, okay, Lord, um, I don't really want to do school. I don't want to, I really don't want to go to seminary. I mean, how many people are, that have gone to seminary are really doing things in the kingdom of God? And then after, you know, about dream 15, the Lord started reminding me, you know, Heidi Baker, she's got a PhD in systematic theology from King's College. Randy Clark has a doctor of ministry. Peter Wagner has his doctorate, Carol Kelsey's favorite. Dr. Michael Brown, who has been a real voice of truth in the body of Christ. Anyway, so I said, okay, Lord, maybe this is from you. And 10 dreams later, I said, okay, Lord, I think this really is from you. Um, And it just hit me that I was not only going to get a master's, I was going to get a Ph.D. And that's actually why I was going to get a master's, <laughs> so I could get the Ph.D. Because there's, there's places, there's doors that God's opening in the future that would require that kind of work, that kind of training, and that sheet of paper. Um, and so I'm just like, God, how are you going to do this? Because I'm still paying down um, student loans from my undergrad, and I'm not about to rack up that loan amount again. And so, long story short there, I, um, I apply to Perkins School of Theology at SMU, and um, I get a completely 100% full tuition and fee scholarship. And so, $50,000 was just handed to me. Last year, I finished my master's. I walked across stage, got my little piece of paper. <laughs> And I had already started applying to PhD programs because I remembered what God said, do this. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, so I'm applying to PhD programs, really only one to SMU. Um, And I apply um, um, actually a few months before I graduate with my master's. I work really hard. I'm talking with professors. I'm doing everything I know to do. I get at the top of the wait list, the top of the wait list, the very top of the wait list. Like if someone doesn't come, we're going to call you. And they had till April 15th to decide if they were going to accept their offers or not. And that's, when, that's how long I would potentially have to wait. April 15th comes. I get the call. Not happening. Huge letdown. Lots of disappointment. So much so that I actually went to get some deliverance that summer. <laughs> Visited our friend Bob Randall. Um, which is very helpful. But, um, but a lot of disappointment, a lot of discouragement. I'm just like, God, you said this. I felt like this was my window. I was at the very top 
like almost got there and just so much energy and investment went to this. And I started putting it on the back burner. Um, and so I was like, well, my plan was to apply again, but so much disappointment was there that I really couldn't get myself to focus any energy on it. Um, and when uh, um, September, October starts rolling around, I start feeling this sense of like, maybe I should, you know, start applying again because, you know, deadlines are coming up. Um, and um, it wasn't until dreams started happening of SMU professors in the dream saying, Matthew, why haven't you talked to me yet? Matthew, why haven't you talked to me yet? So after about the third dream, I'm like, I am emailing my professor today and we're getting this done. Um, and, and I mean, you know, three dreams, it's, you know, you hope the Lord doesn't have to use that big of a wake-up call, but at least it's better than 25 um, the previous time. But anyway, so I'm applying again, and just there's so much disappointment in my heart, but I had to lean on something. God, you said so. I did it. I tried it. I failed. I feel like you didn't come through, but because you said so, I'm going to do this again. Okay? So I'm meeting with my professors this past fall. I'm getting my application materials in, not only for SMU, but for three other schools. Two are out of state. Um, and then um, as, I'm, as I'm preparing, I'm doing my due diligence to prepare for this graduate exam I've got to do, and which is no fun. I'm like, Lord, please let this be the last time I do it. Um, but there comes, as I'm praying, I really feel like I want to sow a seed, a financial seed, into, into this. Um, now, the theology on how that may be affecting you, I'm just telling you the testimony, Okay. So I sow a financial seed, um, and I wasn't really good about writing down the amount at that time. Um, I did with, with, uh, further th- with other things I'm going to share, but um, that seed was no more than $100. Um, and I sowed it, and I put down, and I, and, I, and, I, um, and I wrote down acceptance into SMU PhD program. And so I sowed my seed in faith. Um, now a couple of months later, February rolls around, and I hear back from Baylor. I hear back from another school, and I'm telling friends and family, I'm like, hey, I got in somewhere else, <laughs> you know? um, and, um, and I'm going down for a preview weekend for interviews and all that, um, all that. Um, but um, two days before I'm leaving for Waco to check out this school, I get a call from SMU. The director says, Matthew, I want to offer you admission to our SMU PhD program, <laughs> and I mean... I am just, I'm, we, I'm, I'm speechless for about three minutes. I'm like cleaning the bathroom um, when she calls at like 6, 12 p.m. Um, <laughs> and, um, and she calls and she says, you're in. I mean, I just, I, my wife and I are just weeping. We're weeping, we're weeping. And she said, the director says on the phone, Matthew, it took us all of, a, of a, all of about three minutes to decide that we wanted to admit you. Um, and I'm just like, Lord, this was so hard last year, and now it's like, it just, it's here, like, it just happened, you know, the the net just came in, you know, the fish are in the boat, (laughs) Um, and, and, um, but there was still the Lord, I just felt like was saying, wait before you accept this offer, and so, and Baylor looked like a really good opportunity, and they gave me an offer that at the time was, it was better than what SMU was offering me, and so I really had to pray, and I had some decisions to make. And so I'm praying through this. I'm like, Lord, what do I do? And I'm giving opportunities down at Baylor to study with two great scholars in their field. Um, But in my heart, my wife and I are saying, you know, SMU really is still our first choice. We want to keep 
praying that God's going to give us a better offer. So over time, um, the, when you get accepted to SMU, you automatically get full tuition and fees covered. Um, and you get, they, they give a stipend to their PhD students, and it was $16,000, um, which is great, but for a lot of PhD students, that's like their whole livelihood, which is, you know, you need a little bit more than that sometimes. Um, so, and then they cover health insurance. So, but they were, but they were, um, there was potential more for them to offer me. So I'm praying, I'm like, God, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do here? And the Lord spoke to me again, I want you to sow a seed, this amount, into your financial increase. So we sowed another $50. And we just put on that, on that little uh, offering envelope, highest financial aid package possible. And so we sowed our seed. According to Mark eleven twenty four. 24, we received what we have asked for in prayer. We believe we received, it will be done for us. Mark eleven twenty four, and so we're praying over that each each day. I'm like, Lord, thank you for this, thank you for this. Over two week, around two weeks later, I get another email. SMU says, in addition to what we're offering everybody, we're giving you an additional ten thousand dollars a year, <laughs> paying me ten thousand dollars a year to go to school. Now I'm looking at this, and there's still a few other schools that I haven't heard back yet that offer still a better package. And so I'm like, Lord, I haven't heard from these guys yet. What do I need to do? And the Lord starts giving me an action plan. Um, Call this professor. Meet with the director. Ask this question. And so there was a plan. God likes to give us a plan to capture the the wealth that he has for us. Um, They... uh, um, Long story short, over time, I go, and I'm, I'm praying again, and I feel like the Lord says, I want you to sow again. And so we sow another seed, this time $200 that we sow in, because what they had said at SMU, they said, we can potentially raise this another 4000 which would have made it the highest of any of the school, that, what the schools were offering. We could raise this 4000 a year, but it doesn't look good. And when she told me that on the phone, this does not look good, I'm like, oh, man, we're sowing a seed. <laughs> and we're staying on Mark eleven twenty four. So we sow our seed, $200, and we put on the check, raise to, um, the, the stipend was 16000 They were saying they could potentially get it up to twenty. I said, we're going to raise stipend from 16000 to 20000 for fall 2018 PhD program, Matthew Escobar. <laughs> you know, like it's on my check, you know. I'm like, I hope the bank takes this. <laughs> but... Um, that next Wednesday, I get a call, um, and I mean, I'm well. I'm each day. I'm like, Lord, thank you for twenty thousand. Thank you for twenty thousand. Lord, I know SMU has this money. I thank you that you're raising this. Uh, I know. Move on the person that's gonna that's gonna bring this in. God, send your angels to get this. I mean, these are the kinds of prayers I'm praying. Um, that Wednesday comes, I get a call from the director. Hey, I got it up to eighteen thousand, and I was like, not what I asked for. <laughs> So I hung up the phone. I'm like, not 18, Lord, 20. Thank you for 20,000. Thank you for 20,000, Lord. Thank you for 20,000. That night, I'm like praying with Aisha. I'm like, they can do this. We can do this, and it will be the best offer. Why am I settling for something when God 
something is available, and I want to go for this. And so I did. We sat, we agreed in prayer, and I'm texting one of my intercessors, um, my good friend um, Rhonda uh, from Baruch Hashem. She went through EJS. We're like, God, we love this lady. We got to, we got to, I just was on my heart to text her specifically. And, uh, and other people at Storehouse, everyone was praying. A lot of you were praying. Um, but uh, we texted her, and she's like the next morning, like, yes, we declare it's going to come in Jesus' name. I opened my email uh, my wife and I pray. I open my email. Matthew, we're offering you $20,000. The additional 10000 a year for four years. And we're enrolling you in this theological initiative that's normally $5,000 a year, but we're going to pay for it for you. And SMU requires their student health insurance for all their students, which is kind of expensive. Um, but we'll, it, the, the, the website said 60%, but the director was saying, no, we actually cover more than that. Let me get that, those numbers to you in writing. So the, the final numbers for really good health insurance as a student SMU, I thought I was going to have to pay, you know, on the, because they're covering, I was like, oh, they're going to cover 60%. I'll probably pay around $150 a month or maybe more, whatever. I don't know the exact cost. Um, so it wasn't $150 a month. It was $100 a semester. <laughs> and so I'm just like, Lord, this is really good. Okay? So um, I just want to review a little bit. I sewed 50 to to $100 last fall acceptance into PhD, SMU PhD program. I got accepted not only to SMU but to Baylor. Full tuition and fees for four years to totals about $100,000 on the low end. Plus the $16,000 stipend for four years, that's $64,000. So a $50 seed produced $164,000 harvest. A $50 seed for the highest financial aid package possible resulted in $10,000 a year for four years. So a $50 seed produced a harvest of $40,000. A $200 seed for the stipend increase. The stipend was raised to $20,000, so that was an additional $16,000, plus the $5,000 a year for the theological initiative. Um, for four years, that's $20,000. So a $200 seed gave me an extra $36,000. I did the math here, and you can, you know, check my notes here and pull out your calculators. But um, a, a roughly $300 seed yielded $248,800 harvest. The kingdom of God is real. Because you said so, Lord. Rob Hatch, come on up. You know, I was just thinking the coolest thing about this testimony with Matthew is that it hasn't even begun yet. And so God even has that money set aside for him, but it's there for him. So that's really cool. So um, a f uh, gosh, a couple of months ago, we were having dinner with John and Tracy. And um, Tracy, uh, we were at my house and uh, Tracy challenged me with something. And she was just kind of saying, I want to reprioritize your giving a little bit. And, you know, and it's Tracy's my friend, right? So she said, you know, I'm going to talk to you as your pastor. 
And I said, uh, every time that happens, I'm like about to get rebuked for something. So if you've been rebuked by Tracy, it's good. Listen to her. Um, and so she said, I, I want you to just to take a look at this, and I want you to reprioritize a little bit. And so I was smiling, and I said, okay, we're going to do it. And so we had been giving our tithe to different ministries. We hadn't been giving it all into the storehouse. And the Lord had begun, he had begun to challenge Lindsay and I even before Tracy had come over because uh, we, you know, we were kind of in and, in and out a little bit. Uh, of storehouse, we have lots of uh, you know family that are in ministry, and so we had been helping them as well. We've been helping another uh, ministry in town, and so the Lord said, "Okay, you know it's time to start sowing completely all of your giving into storehouse." And so that was a whole nother commitment that we had decided to make, and we made. So I did it. I was like, okay, we had to, you know, cut some ties, so we we did it, and that week that I did it, and I sowed, not nothing so, I gave my first tithe, our first tithe, full tithe to Storehouse, that week, I got a $150 check in the mail. A couple days later, I got a $200 check in the mail, and a day after that, we got a $9 check in the mail. Yes. I was like, where are all these checks in the mail? It was the weirdest thing. Like, just ran, I'm telling you, they were so random. So random. So 359 bucks, 248359 But that 359 <laughs> that $359 actually meant a lot to Lindsay and I at that point. And so it was, it was real exciting. Then a couple of weeks later, we're, we're driving to Houston, um, and I called Tracy on the phone. I said, guess what, Tracy? I just paid my tithe check today. She's like, well, let me pray for you. And so she prays for me. We get to Houston, and I get a $5,000 check. And we had been needing to buy a car for my son who's going to be here, so it was like perfect, a perfect amount to buy him a car. And then, a couple of weeks after that, my boss calls me, and he says, hey, Rob, how about, it's about time for another raise, don't you think? And so, I got a $3,500 raise and a bonus. And so, I'm telling you, this has nothing to do with seating. This had to do with God shoring up and giving him legal access into our lives to work on our behalf. And once we did that, once we allowed him to put up a perimeter around us, he could stop, the devil could stop stealing from us and could stop taking from us, he really began to work in our life. And guys, that was a less than a month time period. And so I just want to encourage you that we had been giving, we had been sowing, we, we are cheerful givers, but we were doing it the wrong way. And I just want to encourage you, like Matthew was saying earlier, and even Tracy was saying when she was taking up the offering, you know, give into the storehouse, the place where you receive from, the place where God has put you and planted you, and there is something that can be done by him in your life if you do that. So 
Mine was $9,000, $9,034, ours was. But, and that took, I can't wait to see what he's going to do next month or the month after because it's so exciting. Anyway, bless you guys. Thank you, Rob. Let's stand. The kingdom of God worked for Simon when he said, because you say so. The kingdom of God worked for Rob Hatch because he obeyed when the Lord said so. The kingdom of God worked for Matthew because Jesus, I'm going to apply again. Nothing happened last time. But you said do it again. If you've been inspired by this message, we invite you to partner with us by visiting storehousedallas.com forward slash give.